All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they're not just salespeople. There are great human beings throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so that we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, um, I'm super excited for this dude. This dude is a uh, jack of all trades, or maybe I should say Jeff of all trades. <laughs> he is a uh, a sales consultant and uh, sales coach. He runs a consultant and sales uh, coaching business. He's an author of many different sales books that we'll talk about. Um, you know, he's been in sales uh, as a, uh, you know, top performer and producer uh, for over a decade, well over a decade. So he gets sales. He's been there. He's done that before. And now he he really, uh, you know, teaches and, and, and coaches sales reps. Um, you know, when he's not writing or speaking or training, he's co-hosting his business life and leadership podcast, The Why and the Buy. Um, and he's also been featured on so many different sales podcasts. It's too many to mention. I'm so excited. Please welcome none other than Jeff Bajorek to the podcast. Welcome, Jeff. Wow, I feel like I'm entering the you know center court during the NBA playoffs or something, right? <laughs> like a rousing intro there. Um, you should you should record those intros for people and uh, sell them actually, so that you know Ooh, and, and you do like an entire sales team. That'd be Ooh. that'd be a lot of fun at the the, the SKO. Oh, I need that. Yeah, I like that. I don't know what the <laughs> um the the song is that you come at the NBA. I can hear it in my mind, but like. Mm -hmm you know, the dramatic uh, on court, like walk up and you're high fiving the teammates and like, you know, let's get let's do this. Um, I think it depends on where you live. I mean, when, <laughs> when I was uh, when I was growing up in Detroit, we had uh, the final countdown, which is killing me. I think it's Europe is the name of the No, it's not Europe. I know. Uh, anyway, countdown. It was, yeah, it was final countdown. And then, um, of course, the following the Pistons in the late 80s, early 90s came the Bulls and they yeah. they had a um, Alan Parsons project song that everybody will remember guys of a certain age like <laughs> and um it's you know just it's gone from there so uh, no thanks for that intro i've never been introduced like that before that's for sure so cool thank you. We're, we're gonna have a i'm so excited um you know for everybody listening this guy is gonna give you so many just concise sound bites here um just knowing him he is i mean we, i know we're kind of uh riffing right now but um you know that that's what i love lo really just love about you, Jeff, is that you, you're um, really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's direct, it's basic, um, but everything, as I once heard, that's simple isn't uh, always simplistic. Um, and, um, you know, that's, I think, what we, I want to dive into today. And we're going to talk sales, life, just, you know, what it, what it really means to sell and how really everyone is doing it without realizing it. And um, we'll talk about a lot of fun stuff. Before I do that, we're coming off. Uh, Jeff and I were both at uh, a conference the last two days. That's where I met Jeff a year ago at the Sales Success Summit uh, in Austin. And uh, these are some of the top top one percent salespeople at their organizations. Just super super sharp people. 
And my first question to you, Jeff, is just what's what's on your mind today after two days of that conference? What's going through your head? That's a that's a deep breath. If you're listening, <laughs> um, you know, a, a lot of things have been on my mind that it it's a very intense couple of days. Um, I circle those dates on my calendar every year. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is my reminder that I need to circle those dates for next year. Um, it is a very succinct, um, very tight knit community of people that is continuing to grow. And that's a credit to what Scott Ingram is doing there. And um, it, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. It is creating, it's not just creating a community, but there's really, it's really interesting to see the rise in status of certain top performers within that community. And it's interesting to see how everybody gets something out of it, right? There are people who are just there to watch and they're there to learn because they want to have that kind of status someday. And there are other people who are there to learn as much as they can from other people who they've already achieved that status. Um, but there's so much respect in that mm. community. Now, I've mm. talked to a lot of people in that community. Um, and they differ in their views about a lot of things in a lot of different ways. This is not a homogenous community. This is not a, these aren't just carbon copies of people. We've got different people from different walks of life, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different cultural backgrounds, from different mm -hmm. socioeconomic backgrounds. We've got people from different industries. We've got people all over the world with different experiences. Everybody shows up ready to listen, ready to collaborate, ready to contribute. And that is magical. It's magical to have that kind of a um, of of an of an environment, and um, the common denominator is that if you show up willing to contribute something, you're going to take away so much more. And um, I, it's I said we were at dinner last night, and um, I was just I was I was like, man, you know, she said, well, Laura, my wife, she said, well, what what were the talks about today? And so I just kind of went through, and I was like. You know, none of these talks sound particularly inspiring. If you were a lay person coming off the street, you'd say, oh, what's that? What's that all about? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if it would make you stop. Like if you saw the agenda on the wall and it was actually a live event, like, and you saw all these people in there, would you stop to look in because it was so intriguing? Probably not. But you know what? Because of the context of that environment that I just laid out, everybody was riveted, riveted. This was a sales conference. We talked about non-sales stuff, yeah. but because yeah. of the environment that's been created, the culture of that community, it was all something, everything that was discussed were things that people could grow on and people could build on. And with the context, that kind of communication and that messaging, um, it's making superstars. It's creating superstars. No question. Totally. I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, you're making me think that there's a lot of people out there that's that are probably you know, yeah, they've, they're uncomfortable with sales, or maybe they're in it, and they're having some up and down success, and they're just kind of in it for the paycheck. And they're not taking that intention into their career. They're not going to the like, you know, conferences, maybe all the time, they're having some good success, and maybe they've made a lot of money. And, you know, it's just kind of, it's a job, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it pays the bills, or it's, you know, it's something that they don't even know they're doing, and they're just doing another job. And, they don't, they're not kind of, uh, it's not visible. So mm -hmm. you, what you just said makes me think, why do, why do you think people are so excited to make a 
passion or make a, an intention in their careers for sales. What is it about sales that's so exciting for people to devote so much to it? I think the people have that kind of passion because they recognize that um, having a career in sales means you're making a contribution to something bigger. Um, and your contribution to the community me, uh, it means that you're going to be able to make other contributions elsewhere, right? Look, I, I contribute to my business, which contributes to my clients' mm. businesses, right? Mm. And so when I contribute to my compliant or to my uh, clients' businesses, um, I get paid. That allows me to contribute to my family. That allows me to contribute to my community. That allows me to contribute to my own life and the stories I'll be able to tell and the experiences I'll be able to give my family and, and, and beyond. And so they recognize selling as an engine to drive their entire lives. It's, it's, a, it's an engine that drives every contribution that they can make elsewhere. Um, selling is one of those professions where you can have an impact on people, not just by what you sell, but by how you sell. Mm -hmm. um, it is a nonlinear um, profession in that it's not a salaried profession. Oh, I guess in some, some places it is. I've never had a base salary. I don't know what you guys are talking about when you have these base <laughs> salaries. Please explain to me what that means. You, um, you know, but you, you, you get paid for your performance. Um, in most cases, that's kind of the point. And so you can make a contribution in a way that like you're, you're encouraged to do more than just show up. Mm, yep. Yeah. And yep. so when you recognize that the, 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 when you recognize the impact you're able to have, um, and you, recognize the positive positivity in that impact, you're encouraged to do more. Now, if you feel the opposite way about selling and you believe that selling is not about contributing, but it's about taking, mm. well, that's demoralizing mm. because that is um, that mm. mindset. That's a, a scarce mind, scarcity mindset that, that you're taking from something that's by definition unattainable. And, and people don't like that. And people don't like the idea that if I'm, Alex, if I, if I sell something to you, I'm taking money rather than providing value. I'm taking that money from you. Well, money's finite. So you don't have infinite resources. I don't have infinite resources. You can make an argument that Bezos doesn't even have infinite resources. Although that's arguable. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, 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 you know, you, um, you, um, it, 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 it changes yeah. the entire platform, yeah. Yeah. right? So yeah. I think the people are so passionate about it because when you contribute and you feel good about the way you contribute, you're filled up. So yeah. not only are you giving, but you're being, you're, you're, your personality, your, your, your whole entity is, is growing. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, contributing uh, can mean so many different things and, and can show up in so many different ways. And I feel like people that have never gotten that maybe validation that their contribution mattered um, in life, maybe they didn't, you know, want to keep doing it or something. And they just, you know, maybe sure. they, they, they just stopped somewhere along the way, and then maybe didn't devote an, uh, as much time into kind of learning the craft and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, I think these, these interactions, these conversations, if you're listening to this, you're, you're contributing, um, you know, no matter what level you think you're at, you're, you're contributing because you're, you know, you're, you're taking the time to kind of hear from, from people who are doing it and, and really devoted to, um, you know, trying to, to, you know, also contribute 
um, you know, contributors, um, uh, you know, feed off of contributors, <laughs> let's say. Um, well, yeah, because think about where they're, where they're at, right? Um, you're taking, if you're listening right now, you're taking this information and you're feeding yourself, you're feeding your mind, you're feeding your spirit, you're feeding your ability to go contribute somewhere else. So put yourself in a room full of people who want to contribute because they know what's in it for them is more than the contribution. Um, that multiplies very quickly. For sure. Very quickly. For sure. All right. I want to go back a little bit and learn, a, you know, get the listeners to learn about you. And then we'll talk about some tactics on, on how people can really, uh, you know, be able to sell well in business sure. and in personal life. Um, but I want to talk about, you, you know, you for a second, kind of, you, you, you started, um, you started as athletic trainer. <laughs> I, I love that about you. Um, so maybe you can, you know, tell me kind of uh, maybe if there's some selling involved in, in training people. Um, but um, I want to know, yeah, a little bit about, I, I, you've probably been asked this, how you got into sales. I want to mm -hmm. ask it more of, you know, what inside of you convinced you that you needed to really make a career out of teaching people how to sell? Oh, that's a different question. Um, I got into sales accidentally. Um, it was a risk worth taking. I gave myself a year. I've told this story before and I'll keep it quick because I like your question better, but this is important backstory. Okay. Um, I told myself if I could make it a year or I'd give it a year and if I didn't like it, then I'd get out. And being in sales wasn't enough because I didn't have the guidance or the mentorship that I needed. Um, that's not an indictment on anybody though, because the hiring manager said I would get it, but said I would get it from his partner. He's like, look, I'm not the guy to, I'm, I'm doing the, I'll do the best I can, but my partner handles the, the development. I run the business, right? The day after I hired, they split. His partner said, um, I'm done. So, so not only was the guy who admittedly said, look, I'm probably not the best guy. I'll help you as much as I can. And I had a lot to learn from him and I learned a lot from it, right? It's not an indictment on him, but now he had to go with, go through the dissolution of his business. And the person who was supposed to give me that initial training wasn't able to, right? So I really felt rudderless and, but I was going to give it a year. And um, then someone joined the organization who could take on that mentorship role. And he's still a good friend to this day. And um, it was only a couple of months after that where I started understanding that the things that I thought about selling, the things I thought you were supposed to do when it came to selling, but didn't feel comfortable to me, those things, they didn't feel comfortable for a reason. I could and should have avoided them. And I tried to, but what was reinforced was that the things that I thought intuitively were the right things to do about having empathy, about understanding the other person's uh, point of view, my prospect's point of view and, and their constraints, not just the things that enabled them, but the things that constrained them. There were people who wanted to buy from me, but couldn't for other reasons, other legitimate reasons. How am I supposed to argue the fact that you know, you're doing business with this person or this company? Like, no, that makes a ton of sense. I think I would too. The, I think the, um, the old imprint would be, well, I was still supposed to find a way to win that business, even though I had mm. no, I was in complete agreement. The, the, the newer, you know, the, the mentor uh, who came in, he's like, well, no, just there's another person to call on. Go find someone else's, go find someone else whose problem you can solve. Mm. Um, and so it, that was really fun because I was almost, I was ready to leave. I, I was coming up on a year. It was about 10 and a half, 11 months. And I was like, yeah. 
I think I can go back. Look, I was really good at clinical medicine. I've been published. I've done research. I've like, I was very good academic um, clinician and really good on the sidelines, taping ankles and evaluating injuries and doing all that <laughs> stuff that I was doing. Like, I, and I love sports and I love medicine. I, I'm fascinated by the way the human body works. And, awesome. and so um, the reason I took the job was because it was a different way for me to indulge those passions mm-hmm. while, I don't know, let's see, I had nothing to lose, right? Except a year. And, and I thought I could learn something. So I got into sales accidentally, but it was just maybe three or four months after that mentor joined um, the, our organization and could mentor me. I was like, oh, I want to do this one day. I want to teach. I've learned so much counterintuitively. I'm not the only one who feels this way. Mm. I know I can make an impact. I know I can make a difference. So um, then it just became, um, I didn't know when, I didn't know where, I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, but uh, I spent another three years with that organization. Um, I left that organization to take a different job because it was just a better fit. And I was in that point in my career where there were some things I felt like I needed to be doing, but I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could. When I took the new position, I had an opportunity to put those plans, those actions, those strategies into play, and my career took off. And guess what? They worked. And they worked because I thought they would work. And not just that I thought they would work like this, the X's and O's here seem to make sense. It was like, no, this intuitively makes sense. This is how you treat people. This is how you solve problems. Mm -hmm. And um, then when they worked, I rode the wave. It was fun. I was a top performer in a great gig. I had a, a great group of colleagues. I had great products that I sold. And we made a huge impact. We made a huge difference in the conversations that were being had, not just in the products that were being sold, but the conversations that were being had around the marketplace that we sold in. And it, th- that wave crested. It wasn't going to be much fun for much longer. And I started to look around and um, had an opportunity just to do some coaching on the side, right? And I, I thought, look, I'm doing things differently. I see things differently. I'm having different kinds of success than my colleagues are. I think I can teach this. Didn't know how. I said, I think I can teach this. I think I can share this. Mm. And um, I just I had blessing from my employer to do some things on the side. A small cool. project turned into a big project. And uh, that project is well into its sixth year now. And it just, it wasn't, um, it wasn't going to be fair to my employer to take a side project as big as I did. It wouldn't have been fair to the side project to still have it be a side project. And so I, um, June of 2015, I looked at my wife and I said, I guess we own a business now. And <laughs> there you go. That's, that's where we are today. I love so that road. I think that answers your question. Yeah. Oh, it was more so, more so. Um, well, I'm now you have me interested in the, um, uh, the strategies of, of these conversations and some of these changes that you made and, and maybe some simple things that people can do in their conversations. But before we do that, you know, so athletic trainer, medical device sale, medical device sales, um, mm-hmm. Did you ever lose sight in medical device sales? Because a lot of people in medical device sales, it's pharmaceutical sales, medical device sales. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough going. You're going to doctor's offices. You're, you know, a lot of times it's a competitive industry, uh, competitive market. You're in, you know, kind of a lot of people coming behind you. Did you ever lose sight for any moment um, that you weren't helping people? Or did you always just have that? from the jump that what you were there for wasn't the medical device. It actually was the result of what you were doing. 
Did you ever lose sight no. of that? Or did you always have that, you think? No. Um, the reason that I took the position in medical devices, um, I saw it as a different way for me to help patients. In yeah. some cases, there the same go. patients that I was treating in physical yeah. therapy or on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, and then when I got into selling surgical devices, um, it was made very, very clear to me very early and very often. And it was something that I had to remind people of. Um, but something that uh, in general, on the whole, with, with very few exceptions, it was very clear to everybody in the room, in the operating room, that the most important person in the room was unconscious on the table in the middle of it. And that is something I will say um, is, uh, I think, you hear the horror stories, but I've never seen the horror stories where those people were being disrespected. So, I mean, it's everything in the, in the, in the world, in that little world or that, that operating suite is um, centered around that patient because mm. that is the most important outcome. The egos of the sales reps who may or may not be in the room, uh, the egos of the physicians, the physician's assistants, the different surgeons, the, um, you know, everybody in that room, they all take a backseat to the reason we're all there. And that mm. is the patient. Yeah. And not because the patient's paying the bill or anything else, yeah. but because we're all in this to it's help. life. Um, yeah. and, and I've never seen that lost. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I bet you, you probably never seen that lost when you transitioned out of medical device sales because it's their life. Sure. Someone's life. You're, you're what you, you are there to, to help s save someone's life potentially, um, mm -hmm. you know, with what you uh, have the ability to impart into a situation. And there's nothing more satisfying than seeing, I mean, I worked in orthopedics, so I mean, you literally see people with crooked limbs getting wheeled in, right? Wow. And, you know, yeah. you, you, you replace the, the knee, you replace a hip, you, you know that people are going to walk out of that hospital who had a hard time walking in, you know, that um, like you just, you can see in real time from, you know, eight feet away, that limb is functioning better. Right. This person is going to go back to playing basketball again. Like, you know, it, it's, it's cool. Really yeah. rewarding. It is one yeah. thing I miss that real time feedback. Of, wow. Yeah. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. yeah. I do miss that. Yeah. I don't miss a lot of the other stuff. though. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, this may be the smell of a hospital or the, you know, yeah, just, I don't know. No, that else? stuff doesn't bother me. It's, it's just no. some of the stuff that gets in the way of that. Yeah. Useless, yeah. Needless stuff mm. that, that gets in the way mm. of you getting that feeling. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So let's talk about how you did what you did. Um, I mean, you have a great quote. Um, I love it. It's like people know how to sell, but they're not able to do it. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm butchering it, but they know, you know, maybe the, they're, they're trained on, you know, maybe some, you know, they're the, the processes of sales or what they think sales is, but they just can't apply it well, um, or they're not um, succeeding at it. And I think you, um, you know, have this whole thing about rethink the way you sell. And 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 mm -hmm. and I would love for you to kind of explain uh, for people listening, um, you know, what are things that people can do in their personal lives and even their business lives to really kind of tap into you know, what it is to be able to sell well. Um, and, you know, that's a big question, but um, maybe you can just kind of explain what does it mean to be able to sell well? I think um, there's, there's a lot there, Alex, but I think the, 
I don't think people are trained on processes very well. I think people are trained on steps occasionally. Um, but I think more often than not, people are looking for someone to tell them what to do, tell them what to say. Give me the script and I'll say it. And then they'll complain about their scripts. Oh, I don't want scripts. They sound terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, you wanted me to tell you how to do it here. I'm going to tell you how to do it. It'll work kind of because Alex, I can't sell the way you sell. You can't sell the way I sell. We, we could be selling the same thing for mm -hmm. the same length of time. We can have the same results. We could even be neck and neck for top performer of the year. You would do it completely differently than I would. And that's the thing I think people are missing out on. They want to be told the shortcut. They want to be told just, you know, what is it that I need to do here? What do I need to say here? That doesn't work. And I think you need to start with the end result. I think you need to think about what you're trying to accomplish. And then I think you need to think from that point backward to where you are now of the steps that need to be accomplished. And um, that's what I mean when I say rethink the way you sell. What's the best way to do that? Okay, what, what do you need to do? I need to book an appointment. Okay, what's the best way you need to, to book an appointment? Well, I don't know. Tell me what to say. No, 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 no. Who are you trying to book an appointment with? How are they most likely to respond? What is likely going to resonate with them? Right. And, and the thing is, you know, buyer personas and things, they make that easier because now you can group people together who are going to have similar decision making processes and similar actions and similar and respond similarly to your value proposition. When you think backward like that, now you can start to get out of the mind frame uh, or the mindset of hey, what's my template and you can just start thinking of like what's actually going to work and why see when you understand how to sell you can sell anything but just because you've sold a bunch of stuff with some you know tools or some messaging that people fed you that doesn't mean you can sell that just means you can follow directions <laughs> so I, I think you know, and most people intuitively think that selling is this thing you do to somebody. It's this process that you have to, it's this mindset you have to get in and you have to become this other person. And, you know, and then there's all the hustle, hustle, hustle stuff that's out there. And it's like, what are you hustling? What are you trying to scale? What are you trying to ramp up? Well, well let's think about how we solve problems because the person who, the, the worst salesman on his team, okay, goes home and solves problems in an unparalleled fashion for his family knows how to communicate to his kids because he knows his kids. He knows his wife or his partner or whoever. Like he, the, 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 when you think about the sales that you make every single day that have nothing to do with business, have nothing to do with money, but anytime you, any, anytime someone does something because you asked them to, when they wouldn't have done it on their own, you made a sale. Like a sale doesn't have to be involved. A sale doesn't have to involve cash. There's no transaction there. When you were 16 years old, Alex, and you asked for the key to, to borrow the keys to the car on Friday night because you wanted to take your friends out, yeah. right? You had to ask for the business. Mm. The business wasn't money. In many cases, you probably cost you money because you had to. Your parents probably made you put gas in it when you were done, right? Yeah. If you're going to be driving around, the, if you're just going to be cruising on a Friday night and you're going to spend, you know, ten dollars worth of gas, put ten dollars worth of gas back in the tank, right? That that's you you obtaining permission. It's a sale when. Um, you know, my kids were little, they had an unbelievable closing rate because every time they cried, they got my attention, especially at three o'clock in the morning. And in many cases, I knew I owed them something. It was just them asking, they were just collecting. At three o'clock in the morning, my, my daughter, my son, they, they needed to be changed and they needed to be fed. They were hungry and they were uncomfortable. They let me know about it. And what did I do? Got out of bed and I did it. 
and as an aside here, and because there's a metaphor here too, um, I used to love the 2.30 a.m. feeding, right? I, I would volunteer to, to, to get up because the, that time, that 20 minutes where the lights are super dim because you don't want to stimulate anybody and you're just kind of half awake and your little newborn, six-month-old or whatever, it's just, she's got her eyes locked right on yours and kind of half open and mine are kind of half open. You never get that time back. <laughs> You never get that time back. So the metaphor there is when the business is worth doing, when the business is rewarding mm -hmm. on both ends, it doesn't matter what the cost is. There's value there. I didn't have a hard time sleeping. So I get up, be up for 20 minutes, you know, spend time with my kids. This was perfect. My wife thought I was a hero. I just lost 30 minutes of sleep. It's not that big of a deal. I go right back to sleep and I was done just like my kids did. It was perfect. So when you think about the little things that you do, those little transactions, if you will, that happen throughout life. And we, we sell every day. What do you mean you can't move 100 units of this? What do you mean you can't solve that problem? If you can't sell it, it's because you don't understand how it works. You don't understand how your product works or your service works, your solution. You don't understand the problems that you solve. And when you start thinking about the problems that you solve and maybe the best way to solve them, you start making sales. And then people yeah. start paying you money to make those sales. Yeah. And then they start thanking you for taking your money for those sales. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not difficult. Well, I, uh, it's not complicated. Mm, it's difficult. That's different. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It, 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 it's not yes. complicated. It, it yeah. can be extremely difficult sometimes. We make it more complicated than well, it needs to be. <laughs> that's the thing. You, you've been selling your entire life. You don't even recognize it. The sooner you recognize it, the sooner you have these templates for playbooks for things that worked in the past. Right? What did you have to do for your parents before they'd give you the, your, the keys on a Friday night? You had to make sure your homework was done, right? Because that was their responsibility to make sure that you're, you had your act together. You had, probably had to make sure your chores were done for the week or maybe, uh, all right, I'll give you the keys today, but um, tomorrow morning, you got to be up early and cut the lawn, right? Like there, there was some kind of value that you needed to provide in exchange for that thing that you wanted. This is not complicated. <laughs> um. You know, I, I completely agree. You know, I think it comes down to a lot of confidence too, because we start comparing ourselves to just the salespeople around us on a leaderboard instead of comparing ourselves to ourselves in our lives. Um, and so, um, you know, I've met people that have been in 10 months. I met a girl last night in 10 months in sales. She's killing it. She's asking yeah. so many great questions, probing in, asking follow-ups. Why do you think that? What, what happens when? what's that going to do for you? Like yeah. really super curious. And, and, and you don't have to, that's just because she's aware of like just communicating and talking with people and, mm -hmm. and, and, but then, and I'm not going to say who this, but then, you know, she also considers herself green in sales and people that have been in it for 20 years are better than her or more, you know, or that, you know, they, she doesn't have a, a, as much, um, it, you know, kind of, um, you know, call it experience. She, she's not as good as, um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I think if you can all think of, look, of what Jeff, Jeff just said, I think you get a lot more confidence because confidence is the first is, is kind of fundamental in, in, in selling, you know, you have to, you know, be able to really have that passion and, and be able to communicate it well and, and, and have that conviction. Um, but you have it when you look at yourself, compare yourself at yourself against yourself, you probably, I mean, if you've been in any relationship, you've you've sold yourself or any job, you've had to sell yourself. And 
you've probably done, you've probably got the number one award a million times without uh, giving yourself credit, give yourself credit for it. I know who you're talking about because I had a couple of exchanges with her as well. And um, the, she or anybody else is comparing themselves to the wrong person. Alex, I can't sell like you, you can't sell like me. It makes no difference. Uh, and, and there's no productive outcome for me to compare myself to you or you to me. I can be inspired by you. Mm. I can, mm. um, I can look at what you've done and I can uh, aspire to that. I can say, wow, I'd like to do something like that. Um, I run into this all the time now. I mean, there are people in the industry that I work in, there are friends, there are colleagues, there are people that I don't particularly care for. I see them all and it's really easy to see what they're doing and say, well, I should have that done. Why don't I yet? And um, the reason is because um, they've been working on it for like four years and you just got the idea based on their finished product, right? Or um, because their experience from their career up to this point has led them to the place where they can take advantage of those things. We have this view of success, like it's climbing the mountain, right? And uh, when you get to the pinnacle of success, you'll finally have made it. I've been climbing the mountain long enough to know that the mountain has no top. The sooner you recognize that the mountain has no top, the sooner you start turning around and judging your success by how far you've climbed. You cannot hold yourself accountable to what you have not done yet if you have not first given yourself the credit for what you've done to this point. And when you recognize that, your mindset flips. Now all of a sudden, instead of feeling inadequate because you're not at some arbitrary number that you pulled out for yourself from the clouds, or maybe this quota that your manager pulled out of the clouds for you because that's how that happens. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and you turn around and you recognize, whoa, you know what I can do today that I couldn't do last week? You know what I can do today that I couldn't do five years ago? You know what I've learned over the last 10 years that I never thought I'd ever get a chance to experience? Huh, I'll bet I can keep doing that. That motivates you. Look, I'm not saying goals aren't important. Goals are, are really important, but holding yourself accountable or holding yourself responsible for unfair expectations for where you are right now, that's a problem. That's a problem. And it, it's a bigger conversation around that probably more th than what we have time for right now, Alex, but yeah. this, this whole idea that this young lady who is, you know, less than a year in sales and is looking at people who have been doing this for longer than she's been alive and expecting that she should be able to, um, hold up the same results. It's unfair to everybody involved. She needs to be working on incremental growth and incremental improvement. And she needs to be working on instead of taking the 500 lessons that the group of us learned over the couple of uh, days that we spent together, that um, what are two or three things I can work on right now. And I actually told her this, I said, it's great that you're taking notes. You can't act on it all, let it simmer, let osmosis do what it's going to do, because that stuff will peak up or will perk up and, and, and it'll, it'll find a way to, to come to the forefront of your consciousness later. It's there. Just let it simmer. Let it do what it's going to do. Um, cause there's, I mean, the amount of information that's out there, but quite frankly, put out there by people like me who are trying to make sure that we're people worth talking to. And when people are going to look for advice, um, it is deafening. It is like drinking from the proverbial fire hose and you can only drink so much. And yeah. there's, there's, 
I've run into this before where I want to work on or think about so many things at the same time that I can't end up thinking appropriately mm. about anything. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. give that stuff time to grow, time to manifest. Mm. So, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can only finish it with, I've been in the same boat, um, you know, so to anyone listening out there, just there's a whirlwind of information out there, gang. This is just one of, um, mil, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of uh, sales podcasts or podcasts in general, you can really, you know, better yourself or develop yourself. I think, um, you know, what he just said, kind of focusing on um, you know, that, that one or two things, giving yourself credit, maybe writing some things down that you did some instances where you made, you know, sales in your personal life. I, I want to kind of end off. I know we, I could talk to Jeff for a long, long time, but I kind of want to end off on maybe asking you, Jeff, kind of maybe one or two examples or stories that you can think of either in your own life or in, um, you know, people around you, examples of people that are in non-sales and sales. So I want to take both examples because I want to take this and end it off on um, the question of a feel for sales. We talked about intuition uh, in sales over LinkedIn a little while ago. What are mm -hmm. people you've seen that have a good feel for selling that maybe don't have a quota? They don't know that they're in sales. Um, I don't know if you can think of a certain situation or things that you've seen, or maybe in your personal life, you talked about your child crying and that sort of thing. Maybe mm -hmm. you can uh, take that. What, uh, what have you seen uh, people do that have a good feel for sales, um, both as a non-salesperson, as a, as a trained salesperson? I'll start with the non-salesperson. Um, week ago, week ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to Home Depot with my wife. We left the kids at home. We, we were pulling our hair out. They were just like, guys, just finish up. We're, we have to run to Home Depot to do something. We were working on a project in the house. Ran into my old um, high school cross country coach and his wife. And um, we live close enough to share a Home Depot, I guess, right? Um, and I hadn't seen him in quite a while. So we're catching up, we're talking. And I said, hey, how's the team? And he says, we're bad. He's like, oh, no. look, I went to a public high school. You're at the behest of the kids in the district. And sometimes you have the athletes, sometimes you don't. And I said, so how do you, how do you handle that? How do you, like, what do you, like, we were good when we were, we had a really strong team, like a very highly ranked in the state team. Like we were successful. A couple guys ran in college, things like that. And um, I said, come, you've had some really good teams in the past. How do you, how do you, how do you adjust to something like this? He says, you, you invest in what you've got and you set uh, expectations appropriately and you identify the skills you need to improve and you, and you help and you help them go. And he's like, look, I, I brought in this group of freshmen and I said, guys, we're not fast, but you're young and we'll get faster Ooh. and commit to the process. Um, we're not going to have a ton of success this year, but we're going to be better next year. We're going to be better the year after that. We're going to be pretty good by the time you guys are seniors, if you're willing to put in the work. Mm. And he said, Jeff, you know what? We've, he says, your team, when you were in, when you were in high school, you had, we had a ton of athletes. We had guys that played a lot of sports. We had guys that I couldn't believe were coming out for cross country because they could have been playing football. He said, we don't have a whole lot of athleticism here. So we changed our practice schedule. We play touch football on a regular basis. We play volleyball when we go to away to camp. We do things like that to develop the athleticism. It gives people a different perspective. It gives them a different vantage point. Um, and it, quite frankly, 
a 5k race, which is what they are in high school is an athletic event, not a distance event, right? I was a great cross country runner in high school because I was a better athlete for you than 17, or I was a better athlete than you for 17 minutes, right? That was it. That's it. That was it. <laughs> running, in college, running in college, like I was faster than some people in high school that went in college, but to go to that distance, it was a completely different skill set. Yeah. So um, he's like, I'm trying to develop athleticism. And you know what? That group of guys, they're down a minute to a minute and a half from where they nice. were a year ago. Mm. And they'll continue to progress. So what was really interesting to me was he met people where they were. Mm-hmm. He helped them understand what they could accomplish. He laid out the process by which they were going to need to accomplish it. There were some non-traditional means of, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. meeting those objectives and, and things like that. But they're starting to see the progress and they're starting to win. And awesome. he is doing what a great awesome. coach, a great leader should do, yeah. walking them through um, the, the, the outline. That's cool. That's, that, I mean, pertinent, timely, everything. Know what and you have the best coaches and tinker and develop it. Okay. So what about the salesperson? Then I'll ask one final question. So good feel a great example of someone classically trained in sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some like, you know, just kind of things you're, you see them do like just innate human skills, um, you know, that you've seen in, in trained salespeople that just, you know, they, they make the right decision at the right time or they've said the right thing, you know, based on what they're, somebody said. They're completely unafraid to take the lead. Okay. They recognize that their prospects and their customers are begging for expertise and begging to be led. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's this, particularly nowadays, we've been kind of conditioned to believe that the buyers have all the decision-making power and they um, know exactly what they need to do and you just need to be in the right place at the right time. Uh-uh. You have to understand their problems better than they do, which is not much of a stretch because most people, most buyers in any environment right now, they see a hundred different ways that they could solve the problem. And if they even recognize they have a problem, but that's another level of of sales (laughs) expertise, they see a hundred different ways that they can solve a problem. They're not sure what the right one is. Mm -hmm. They just want someone to take them by the hand and say, look, I understand what you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Here's a way you can accomplish it. It's a really effective way. There might be other ways out there, but Mm -hmm. let me go deeper with you into this way and how it'll help you. It's amazing how much uh, power that has. Yeah, and, and so they, uh, the great salespeople recognize their role as the expert. They recognize their role as the guide, not the star of the show, not the hero. You're the guide of the, the journey. And um, you're, you're Virgil in Dante's Inferno, not Dante. <laughs> and uh, that's a classical reference. I could have gone Yoda and Luke Ooh, Skywalker, but I've done like that before. The, um, you're, 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 they need someone to show them the way. And yeah. they recognize that selling is leadership not just by being willing to do stuff people aren't willing to do, but by willing to take responsibility to show and, and light the path. Lead to sell, shine a light on the path. I love it, uh, Jeff Bajork. The last question is a fun question I ask all my guests and it's just about you, something that uh, maybe people wouldn't know about you. And it's this, it's uh, um, because you know selling is human and, and uh, we wanna know about the human you are. Um, what is <laughs> What is something or a situation that someone would say that is something that would only and could only happen to Jeff Bajoric. So if you think about yourself, someone would say, you know what, that would only happen to Jeff or that is so Jeff. What would that situation time thing be? 
I have been, um, I'm going to say, th there are people who say that about my career. There are people in my family who say that about my career. And um, I'm going to say that I don't, I've, I've been very lucky um, because I've been very open to luck. And that's something, my family in general, they're very risk averse mm. in general. Maybe I, some, I, some outliers there. But, I am um, as well. Very risk averse. And, um, you know, open your own business, Jeff. Yep. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Just kind of seemed like a good opportunity. Seemed like an opportunity worth taking. And I have a different way of looking at things. Um, I saw opening a coaching and consulting business as a way to make myself more marketable. Every, this was a good gig. It was going to be a pay cut. In some ways, it's still been a pay cut. Um, but I'm get more fulfillment out of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I knew that, look right now, I don't know if this is the way that I'm going. This was five years ago. So I don't know if this is the way my career is going to go, but I'm going to do it for a while. And every day I do, it makes me more marketable to somebody else. A couple of years ago, I passed the threshold where I was like, no, you know, this is what I do now. I write books. I challenge salespeople to rethink the way they sell. I come in, I help sales organizations perform better from the top to the bottom, because I know what it takes to make a sale. And I would not, had I not been open to that risk, I, I say, you know, leap in the net will appear. I left the safety of a great corporate job, the best job I'd ever had, making really good money with incredible benefits. And I was, I mean, no one's ever unfireable, but they weren't looking at me. <laughs> and, you know, there was safety there. And it, but it, it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't fulfilling me. So I'm always looking for another way to learn more about myself. And, um, that causes me to be curious. It causes me to explore opportunities. And because of that curiosity, I'm in, I've, I've done things I never would have thought I'd be able to do. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it does. You went really academic. Everybody says something funny and a, like a weird story. Like, um, I, uh, once drank a bloody Mary out of a, uh, slim gym, uh, in Michigan or something like that, but you went really like <laughs> academic. I like it. Um, I've never actually done that. I've just seen people do that. The, um, <laughs> the, I, I, you know, I've met some cool people. I've, yeah. I've yeah. met some of my heroes, uh, just because I've been in the right place at the right time, cool. but like, all right, whatever. I like your answer. That's not helpful. <laughs> I liked your, I, I, I loved your answer. Jeff Bajoric, um, you are an amazing person, human being, salesperson, Thank you. Just a great guy. And I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you having me. This is cool. I've, this is stuff I've not talked about in a lot of other ways. I mean, I talked about how I got started in selling before, but um, I've not really gone in the direction that you took the conversation. So thank you for being a leader. All right. Thank you. And tell people about this if you're listening. <laughs> All right. I'll see you, Jeff. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.